This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free, so tell your friends and family and visit TraderCobb.com now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Found of Pareto, Pareto, Tomato, Tomato Network, uh, and an inventor of Stablecoin Planet, who's going to talk to us today about what he's doing, what he's seeing, and what's going to be the future of our space. So, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No dramas at all. Look, let's start from the very core. Okay. Now I've got information here in your bio that you started in crypto uh, and, and being a developer in the space quite a number of years ago. Can you take us through the journey that you've been on thus far, how you got into the space, what you've been doing and what's brought you to where you are today? Sure. Okay. Well, I mean, I, you know, I have a former education in uh, computer science um, let alone active interest in just building and using technology. Um, but I would say it's important to know that my, you know, I have an interest in um, macroeconomics, which came from working with a federal financial regulator. Um, so I worked with the FDIC during the financial crash, and um, it really just came out of that with a discontent with how the money supply was managed. But that was just on the back burner. Not too much I could actually do about that. Then, you know, later on, um, you know, I'm mostly doing my career in um, software engineering and run across, you know, open source code for the Bitcoin project. And then there's just this uh, deep rabbit hole thought processes. You have to just kind of look at it and understand for a long time before you can really actually jump into it. So that was around 2011. And I, I didn't really uh, jump into it until like 2013 when I was actively developing it to make it better. Uh, it did serve this like exit from the fiat system that was already simmering. But even then, it was still, I would say, on the back burner. There was a, you know, my, my interaction with Bitcoin and the broader blockchain space wasn't something I would have had on my resume maybe until 2016 or so. Mm. Um, after there was a little more maturity around you know, what all that even meant. So it would have been a big, big distraction earlier in the decade. And now it's definitely, as you see here, you know, now I'm on everyone's podcasts, you know, it's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's come a long, long way. Now, you said um, something before about, you know, not wanting to have it on your CV, so to speak. We know that there's a lot of information out there. I think one of the information, or one of the issues that we've got in the space, for the, especially the people coming in that are new, uh, and this is certainly an area that I work on very heavily, is, is providing valuable information, um, information that is based upon experience and fact, as opposed to, you know, I don't know, moon Lambos and all that sort of other nonsense that we've seen come into the space. Um, exactly. From my point of view, I mean, the, the quality of content and, and the intelligent content, it is a really big issue in this space. Now, I think it's a perfect segue into Pareto as to what you guys are doing there. So can you just tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind the project and what the project actually is? 
Exactly. So the Pareto Network is a tool for traders and investors. It is an Intel marketplace where the participants, analysts, traders, investors, and more are really trading the information itself. The goal is to get more higher quality, objective Intel to the capital markets faster. And so part of that, you know, again, going back to my, you know, financial regulator background, um, is that I have traded in a lot of markets and crypto being one of them, seeing how nobody can really trust information. Uh, they can't really trust a good tip. There's a lot of distrust um, has just exacerbated pricing inefficiencies. So when you come to the crypto space um, where all the blockchain and digital assets trade, this was just even worse, but the tools that it offered allowed us to actually create a solution. So the Pareto Network really is a culmination of these um, issues and it is most immediately applicable in the crypto market. So, I mean, you talk about um, information, right? That's what you're trying to get across is good information, um, better information, sound information, all that sort of thing. But I mean, let's say somebody from one of the projects or someone who's got some inside information, I mean, you're coming from the FDIC, you'll be aware of how, how dangerous that can be. How do you get around that? If somebody wants to drop something pre-release, um, I know it's an unregulated market for the most part now, but still, I mean, they're going to go after insider trading. There's no doubt about that. Um, how are you, how are you liable or not liable, which may be the case for people basically sharing right. information on the platform? Yes. Yes. So, we create an incentive model so that all pricing inefficiencies are solved faster. And if those pricing inefficiencies are solved by a cultural nuance, we're solving it. If they're exacerbated by a government regulation, the system can't tell it's solving it. So when it comes to, you know, potentially sanctionable information, the person that discloses it and the person that uh, trades on it may be introducing different forms of liability for themselves in the creative network itself doesn't have anything to do with that. So this is indistinct from using any other platform to, to share information. Um, but what we do have are things that are crucial to our incentive model that introduce privacy, anonymity, end-to-end -end encryption that could actually help people um, really get information out to the markets. So, you know, we don't condone um, you know, people posting sanctioned information. We do cater to all capital markets, um, spot markets, crypto markets, at foreign exchange. And so when you get to the securities markets and then a sliver of the securities markets has this potential sanctional action, the, the platform um, is well equipped to not care. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's, that's fair play. So, I mean, let, let's, it's a content platform. It's an information platform, right? So let's, exactly. let's break exactly. this down into something really simple for myself and, and the, uh, the listeners to, to understand. So I come along, uh, I do a video. I put the video, I post it on the platform. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So then what happens after that? How does that information that I've put there get in the eyes or ranked or you know, however it goes? Yeah. How does it go out? Sure, yeah, so all of our members are competing for information. Information is commodity and people want it faster. Mm -hmm. So members in the Pareto network are primarily 
competing to have access to it first. The people that have already, that are winning this competition, they would see what you have disclosed before everyone else. And it's a clear way for everyone to understand where they fall in that pecking order. Um, if someone wants to get access to you, what you've posted sooner, uh, they can, you know, they can do things within our system um, to actually uh, get more privilege in our system to see what you've posted sooner. And most of the things they would do actually result in them paying you. So that's how you get paid is people just clamoring to get closer to the information you disclose. And that's what the token's for? Yeah, so the Parade Rewards uh, token, it's a digital asset, and it drives all of the transactions within the Pareto network. Everyone is scored based on their ownership and prior activity using the Pareto Rewards digital asset. And most of that involves paying content contributors, paying Intel providers, and getting a higher rank so that they have access to the information sooner. What a lot of our members do is they have a portfolio of digital assets and securities and mm -hmm. foreign exchange currencies and everything. But they use the Pareto Rewards in a very consumptive way. Some people do have speculative purchases of it, but they use it to get access to higher and better information. Then they trade on that information and they make money. Some, some trades make money, some trades don't. Some people like technical analysis, some people like quantitative and uh, more discreet, like privileged information. They trade their own strategies, but they get access to it sooner. They get exposed to things they weren't looking at before everyone else, you know, gets inspired the same way. They use those profits and buy more Pareto. And that just keeps the circular virtuous cycle going. All right. So the ranking system is more for the consumer as opposed to the content provider. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. That, that, that's mostly accurate. Yeah. The, um, the content provider has to deposit their Pareto a lot to actually stake their place in the system. And that actually conveys a lot of the confidence around the intel they disclose to our members at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, how many, how many people have you got using the platform at the moment uh, with the information that you're getting mm -hmm. out there? Right. Yeah. So we have 20,000 plus users. The uh, community is growing and uh, they mostly don't really communicate to each other uh, within our platform, but there are tertiary communities in, um, on various social media platforms, but within our platform, there's 20,000 plus users. Um, on the at this at this stage in time, we have a growing number of Intel providers uh, that have been pretty much authorized to use our platform, and just helps the platform grow. That's one of the ways we grow our community because it is a new way to monetize information um, easily, like very streamlined, clear um, profit monetization route. With that in mind, people come over with their existing community. People have these really like, I consider antiquated subscription models with their communities and they just start saying, okay, you know, we're gonna do it this way. We're gonna monetize more directly and understand the value of this information. They start posting on the Pareto Network first. That is their premium paid group and their subscribers start coming into the Pareto Network too and wanna use that instead. Okay. And have you, I mean, when, when you started, I would have imagined uh, that, that um, you may not have had as, or, or, okay, because with your model, you need to have users that want to get the content. 
right, to make the network work. And you need to have content providers so that they've got something to want. Have you had, um, have you had, have you seen the, the content providers dip and flow throughout the last sort of couple of years since you started? Uh, no, it's all been, I would say it's all steady, steady growth for us. Um, most of it kind of comes down to the phases of development. Um, so we are, you know, kind of pioneering this particular model, especially using, you know, digital assets instead of like recurring subscriptions, mm. um, as the underlying driver and people build on top of that. So with that in mind, I would say some of our early content providers were really beta testers. Um, yeah. We, we distributed our, um, our digital asset. We distributed Pareto Rewards initially really to bootstrap this marketplace, this two-strided marketplace. And so it's just like you said, but we approached it from the very beginning to bootstrap it on both sides, consumers or holders of the token, and the Intel providers are using it from the beginning. And at this point, as we've been listening to feedback and growing that out more, we just had more and more Intel providers come on. And is it mostly um, to do with, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure you cover all markets and you cover all sorts of things, but are you finding the most popular content to be video or is it written? Like it, that says a mostly lot of written. written. Mostly written. So um, what people do is like when I mentioned you could post on our platform right now, we don't have um, that native viewing thing. So basically what people might do is post an unlisted video on YouTube and just post the link on Pareto. Um, let people monetize, like look at it and monetize it there and then open it up later, if at all. Um, some people post technical analysis, with price targets, um, pivot points, things like that. Uh, so it really is, you know, we offer guidance on, you know, what is engaging in our platform, yep. but people really find out, okay, this is what this community really wants and this is the format they need it in. And um, what's the end goal? Like, what's the objective with Pareto? Like, what are you trying to achieve here? And, and how, how do you monetize a platform like this? Mm -hmm. Right. So what we're trying to achieve here is just fixing market inefficiencies. I mean, that's what we're really going for. You know, we get one Black Swan event posted on the Pareto network first. I mean, that's just like, okay, um, there's going to be more money coming in than there are goods to <laughs> distribute. So that's, that would be great for the organization. Um, but we primarily monetized with our token sell when we distributed the creator rewards to people that wanted to use it at the very beginning. And we also do enterprise implementations of this. So just over time, outside organizations have come to us about this incentive model seems like it's useful for things outside the capital markets or here's our specific use case internally or our specific market that we could have this incentive model built in. So that actually is its own revenue path that uh, sometimes has something to do with the token um, that they uh, need. And other times it's this mix of a lot of different things and this internal project they want. And so we, we monetize that way as well. Okay. Now coming away from Pareto a little bit, and um, I mean, I, I note as well that you, you do a bit of writing. Um, you're a bit of a commentator of, of sorts. That one of the things that says is that um, you've written about uh, crypto asset valuations. Now mm -hmm. I'm really interested to know how and what sort of things you look at to value uh, a crypto right. asset company. Yes. Yeah. So it's um, primarily 
So for me, there's a categorization issue. When I, when I was just looking over the last decade of people, you know, you, know, you might have uh, some incumbent financial players might immediately say, what's it backed by? But it's like, okay, what is that? What are you referring to? You're referring to Bitcoin, you're referring to Ethereum, you're referring to this crypto company, et cetera. But even then, these were like two simple questions alongside understanding that there is a general taxonomy issue. So you, when, when you first address that, uh, you look at the commonalities, you look at the differences, you see that there are things that are digital commodities. There are things that function much similar to currencies. There's a lot of um, cross-drift between that. And then there's completely new asset classes. There are digital securities. There's things like Pareto and more. So when you start looking at that, first you have to categorize them and pretty much just acknowledge that there are these things. Um, then you can look at, then it really comes down to uh, utility and scarcity. Um, so they, most crypto assets function like commodities where there is a company behind it. Yep. You see? Yep. So the company itself, you know, if they wanted to issue their own shares, they could have a crypto security or, or access the traditional capital markets mm -hmm. and still have this parallel digital commodity that's tied to what the company and its community offers. So you start being able to look at the, again, the utility, who is it useful for at this point in time? What's the so scarcity of it? Market, right? mm -hmm. But then you also, you have to understand that these things can change. All these assets are programmable. It doesn't really matter what a, what the original issuer or organization intended for them to do. Anyone in the community can easily come in and just program this other use case and expands the market and it won't conflict with the prior use case. So that really changes the whole idea of what an asset is and does when you can always just change it yourself if you wanted to. So effectively, there's a number of variables. I mean, what, what I'm getting is the main bit of information I can gather from that is that to, to value a crypto organization, let's say, um, you're looking at what's the size of the market that, that could potentially, you know, if, if it's a really small niche, then they have yeah. to attack and, and win critical mass of that niche. Therefore, possibly it's harder to do. Maybe not, depending on what the market is. Uh, secondly, if it's a wider market, then they have to capture a little bit of it and it's still a, a viable asset based on, you know, a number of different factors. Of course, supply and demand is the main one. But one exactly. of the things that I struggle with, and I know because I'm a you know traditional market guy, uh, I've, I've been trading crypto more or less exclusively the last, well, nearly two years now, actually. Great. Um, but I've been 13 years in other markets. You know, I, I've been trading. It's pretty much my, it's what I do. It's been my life, right? Um, it's really hard to understand. I'm still trying to get my head because I don't do fundamentals. I, it's not that's not my gig. It's not my game. Uh, I, Mostly I, technicals. Yeah, I'm, I'm a trader. I look. I read charts. So I don't pretend Great. to know something that I don't understand. Um, and I've been trying recently, really hard to find some ways to work out how to get a good fundamental grasp. But there's such a lack of information in the backbone of the business. Uh, and that's what's really difficult. Apart from going through, you know, some of the simple things that you can do is look at the people involved in the project and then go to their LinkedIn and who's, you know, who's LinkedIn has got experience into that sector and who are the people that they know. And that's a pretty cumbersome, slow uh, process. But it's the only bit of due diligence that you can do to kind of have a little bit of, well, at least this dude or this chick's connected uh, to the right people that are going to help get the right inroads for this particular project because they're not going to show you revenues. Um, you know, there's no... Right. 
information available except for what they wish to show to you. Yeah, sure, the code might be available open source, but I couldn't give two shits about the code because I can't read that stuff anyway. So <laughs> it's a difficult conundrum for somebody who's got a traditional market mindset to understand how to value these companies. Now, I'm not suggesting that the same model for, for equities should be applied because it shouldn't be. It's, it's a different market. But the sooner we can find a way to help these traditional investors understand above and beyond just hype and the fact that you've got to have some exposure to this new emerging economy, I think right. we're going to see a trickle, not a landslide of the more affluent, more intelligent and more cautious investors coming into the space. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're basically spot on. It's, there's a, there's a bit of an infrastructure issue about even how to get, you know, like fiat dollars into the space. There is a transparency issue. There is a valuation issue. Yeah, yeah, no, these are, these are all spot-on analysis. And a, lot, a lot of people are working on these things. Well, that's the good thing is that, um, you know, enough of the smart brands come in together. It will be solved at some point in time. But, look, it's been right. an absolute pleasure talking with you, mate. Do you want to tell us where we can find out more information about yourself and the projects you're working on? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, you can find uh, me on Twitter primarily – and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty long username, one blockologist. Uh, people in the crypto space get it, some people. But uh, um, also um, Pareto Network itself, Pareto, P-A-R-E-T-O, dot network is the website. And there's a lot of you know, information throws you right into the platform right there. But we have a good and about page uh, where, again, you can find me, you can find our various communities on social media and get right into um, some high, highly actionable information. Well, mate, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, getting your opinion, your viewpoint, and understanding a bit more about Pareto. I thank you very much for your time, mate. Uh, this is Eric Lamison-White, the CEO and co-founder of Pareto Network. Thank you so much for your time, ladies and gentlemen. It was a fantastic thank day. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. The Trader Cobb Crypto Podcast is hosted by Craig Cobb. All Trader Cobb courses, products, and tools can be found at tradercobb.com because experience matters. This show is proudly sponsored by TraderCobb.com. Visit TraderCobb.com forward slash free tools for your free education content. Now on this section of the website, you will receive access to view a bit about the three trading strategies that I use daily. And if you're sick and tired of your family and friends wanting to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, well, there's a free course in there for them as well, titled Beginner's Course to Cryptocurrency. It's absolutely free. So tell your friends and family and visit TraderCobb.com now.